I'm uh, becoming kind of a bird watcher. You know, birds are uh, six times stronger than men of their size. And uh, some of them have to eat up to seven times their weight just to stay alive every day. And this is a very large bird we're talking about. She's not putting us on? Putting you on. Like a window watcher with his head cut off. A construction worker. Some woman taking a nap on a roof. Yeah, big laugh, big laugh. <laughs> Welcome to another Sim Beef Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Gary Hill. With me as usual is Suzanne. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Gary? Oh, fine. Sweaty. You know, that's a, that's my beef of the week right now, is humidity. Oh, yeah. It is It is hot as hell out, still. It's like summer's last gasp here in, in uh, the Midwest here. I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, it is. Not a fan. Tavares will be in the seventies though, so my, my old guapo will be toned down quite a bit. And, uh, awesome. With me sometimes, but it's always a joy to have her. Iris is here. How are you? Hello, hello. How you guys doing? Fine. Excellent. Try trying. Yeah. I, I I'll keep talking about the goddamn weather too. I don't care. I'm, I hate I hate sweating through my clothes, man. I hate it. Hate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But uh, we'll kick out the show the same way we always kick off the show. I'll ask Iris, what's she been watching lately? Oh, lately, uh, I really haven't had time, to tell you the truth. She's been so busy with with kid going to school, and now I have a new hobby. I go beat things, and uh, that, let me tell you, it, it's such a stress reliever after sitting behind a computer all day to go and beat the shit out of pads. It's great. It's It's just the best thing ever. And I'm losing weight. Too so you know why the hell not? But uh, Krav Maga, right? Yeah, Krav Maga. It's awesome. It's just dirty street fighting, and I love it. I just absolutely love it. I mean, I've already busted a knuckle and um, <clears throat> I don't know bruises here, there, and everywhere. But you know, it's fun. <laughs> cool. Oh my gosh, Suzanne, what you been watching, girl? Oh God, huh? <laughs> I've been flipping through Shudder a lot lately, and I watched this wonderful movie called Incident in a Ghostland by the guy who did Martyrs. And I was watching the movie, and all of a sudden I'm like wondering why my chest is hurting. And I realized I've been holding my breath. It's just, it's a great, great psychological thriller. It's got everything you would expect out of the guy who did Martyrs. Absolutely fantastic. And watched another one that was hilarious called Dead Detectives. Dead. About 
about a group of paranormal TV show research or, you know, the paranormal TV team. And they actually go to a real haunted house. And the thing that makes this movie so good, the lead actor, have you ever seen the show You're the Worst? Mm, heard of it. I haven't watched no. it, though, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, the the lead actor from that show is in this, and he's, oh, he's just fantastic. It's it's funny. It's gory. It's a It was a nice little uh, break from incident in a ghost land and started watching another one last night actually two nights ago called Belzebuth but you know my ass couldn't keep my eyes open long enough but this one started out with a hell of a couple of punches just to get your attention I was I could not believe it so uh, more details on that one when I finally can sit down and finish it but that's kind of what I've been doing and Ink Master and Forged in Fire, yeah. and American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Um, I ain't got a ton to report. I, I usually rewatch. Uh, I rewatched a couple things, but I won't get into, into, into that. But like the big big thing I watched, I guess, would be It Chapter 2, which is, uh, I won't give away um, many spoilers. You can listen to multiple podcasts that give up many spoilers about this movie. I think I've seen like four releases this week. One of which I'm on, but I don't talk very much on. But it's it's, it's there, the fresh cuts. Um, it's good. I, I like it better than the first. Um, I think one of my biggest gripes about the film is is that um, they should have used the stuff with the kids a little more sparingly because that was one of my least favorite parts about that first that chapter one was sometimes the kids were a little too much for me as far as like yeah these are believable but not really you know create cr- I, I don't know it's weird. I have a weird relationship with Chapter 1, but I love Chapter 2 um, very, very, very much. Uh, Bill Hader, a star of the show, I, I think, is um, pretty great as Richie Tozier. And the clown this time around, what did it for me, I think he was a little more vengeful than he was silly. And I I enjoyed that about it. And if you read the book, the opening, the opening thing in the book is depicted on screen, and it's brutal, and... Um, yeah, check out It Chapter 2 if you have, if you if you like It Chapter 1. If you like it a little bit, I think It Chapter 2 is better than the first, the, the first so there you go. Um, what if you actually really hated Chapter 1? Well, I, I think, well, you know how I feel about that movie, and I and I liked part, I liked Chapter 2. I think it was more the, 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 the grown actors, the grown, uh, the grown up, uh, version of those, of the Losers Club, but it did have, um, one of those tacked-on endings that you either love or hate. It wasn't like Return of the King, where it had like 13 different endings, but this this had like that tacked-on. By the way, this this is why this is why you know something happens that if you've seen the original miniseries, you know that Stan kills himself. They choose to give him an, an explanation at the end of the movie of why he killed himself. Yes, we get it. Okay, you know, but it, it's a uh, it's good. Oh, God. And I was able to use the the words "mystical Negro" and the the Fresh Cuts review. You, you, you'll understand why when you, uh, when, when you see the movie. You'll understand what I'm talking about. I don't want to give that away. It's a big plot point of the movie, so th- there you go. <laughs> uh, that, that that's a thing. If, if I had to give it a rating, I'd give it like a seven out of ten. It's it's good enough. Uh, Rob Zombie on Monday, I guess. Uh, three from Hell. I'm going with a friend, so. 
I'll let y'all know on the next episode how that turns out. Besides that, um, like Suzanne, t- TV and stuff, and waiting for my shows to come back on the air, talking to you, Riverdale, my my, <laughs> my love. Um, yeah, we'll kick it to our next segment. I know Suzanne's got a pretty big one, because it's kind of horseshit. To our beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the barley uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know how to try it. Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the barley beef? I heard that. Iris, I think you, girl. Not real. Well, okay. Here's a little bitch, just a tiny one. You know, since I'm doing this Krav Maga class, uh, yesterday I was against this guy, so I was paired up with a guy, and and you know we we're beating each other up, but he was just kind of like you know just barely smacking me, and I'm like, uh, dude, come on, let's go. He's like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay, I understand. I'm a girl. I'm a fat fifty year old, but come on. <laughs> Let's go. There's the magical question when a guy has to fight a girl. I, they, they do they do it best in Die of a Wimpy Kid where he goes, where do I grab her? You know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was I was giving him, you know, I was smacking him as hard as I could, you know, the I, way we're supposed real, to be doing. I realize that, but as a man, you know, especially I'm sure he might be new at that or something, or you might not be used to the whole, you know, roughing <laughs> up your, your opponent. Yeah, if, I if, if, if I go to, 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 to even attempt to... Not rough up a woman, but like hit her harder than I, I think I should be able to. I'm a little bashful myself, so I can't really I can't really fault this man, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's why we're there, mm-hmm. seriously, because everybody else was smacking each other around. I mean, the other guys were hitting the girls because you know you, it's it's like you need that kind of action coming at you because when it is going to come at you, you just react. Is he a new student at this too? No, he's that's his like third week. Mm. So I think, and he was like, "Wait, am I doing this right?" No. I think he was just a little unsure of himself of what we were doing, and you know, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. I I just kind of, you're my duck and my cougar, okay? <laughs> don't don't call him a pussy quite yet, okay? Maybe he's just getting used to you. Okay? <laughs> I guess I don't know, but whatever. I'm like, if you're gonna hit a girl, look, this, this here's my rule. If a girl plays like a boy, treat her like a boy. That was my rule with my daughter. I said, if you're going to go play with the boys, don't come back crying that they hit you because you're acting like one of them and they're going to treat you like one of them. What if you so have that I, girl that's that's going to say, hey, this is incorrect and like, you know, lose their fucking shit? Uh, well, then whatever. <laughs> I don't listen to those girls. <laughs> I'm like, you know, hey, if you're going to... There's, there's a lot of caveats here is all I'm saying, okay? No, <laughs> no, seriously. If you're going to throw a punch, you're going to have to expect to take one. That's how I, agree, I grew 100%. up. That's how I grew up, you know? So, and that's how I taught my daughter, too. If you're going to throw punches, get ready to take them because, you know, you can't go, foul, I'm a girl, after you've punched the crap out of someone. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. But, you know... That's old school, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's the way I was brought up. You know, we would yeah. I grew up playing football with the guys, and oh you yeah, I got home crying. Right? You can't no. home crying. No. 
You know, I was I was tackling somebody. Somebody tackled me. Mm-hmm. It was part of playing, playing with the guys. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. If I'm in that class, and you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a heavy guy, and I'm up against, let's say, a girl that's about 150 pounds or something, and she hits me with with the might of a ghetto street fighter. And I hit her with, with with the might of Butterbean, and she gets she gets knocked across the room or something. I'm gonna feel bad about it, okay? It's just, it's it's a uh, sometimes I don't know my own strength. Yeah, okay, fine, but still, I mean, but that's why you're in that class because you know you're gonna get your ass kicked. This is true, yeah. So you know, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm never going to Krav Maga because I don't want to hurt my woman, okay? <laughs> God damn it. Uh, there are some women in there. I wouldn't want to meet them in a black alley. I'll tell you what. There you go. One of them is even shorter than I am. And uh, she's the one who teaches the class. And and the speed and the burst this woman has is just amazing. I'm just standing at her. I'm like, oh, I want to be like you. Mm. But I have to lose probably about 100 pounds first. (laughs) To be able to move the way she does. Damn. Because she's like, whoop, 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 whoop. And I'm like... Wow. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's, I guess, my tiny little beef is like, you know, <clears throat> we're in class. That's why we're there. You know, come at me. Yeah. Oh, man. That's about it. I'm aroused now by the tiny teacher now, see? It's, it's, uh. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> she can be a lot of fun, I think. I'm going to leave that alone, though. <laughs> Suzanne, what about you? Oh, God. Well, you heard part of mine today. Yes, yes I did. Oh. I don't think it's very much of a secret that I've really, I've been trying to quit smoking and I've done it a couple of times in the past. One time I quit for almost half a year and then dumb shit happens and I started again. And so I started vaping. No, I'm not one of those millennial assholes who felt the need to, you know, blow cotton candy scent all over the place. I'm legitimately trying to get myself off cigarettes and off nicotine. It does smell delicious, though, by the way. The cotton candy smells, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, now that there is, as they call it, the vaping disease, which is mostly even through the CDC, has been tied to the THC, you know, vapes that you can get. Or, you know, just you can, the, the little THC pilers are starting to pop up everywhere. And I can see some dumbasses in their kitchen like, oh, Wait, I, you mix it with that. That'll be fine. We can vape that. And, of course, you know, there are certain things that do not mix well in your lungs. And this happens to be one of them. So now, instead of actually doing any homework or any research, the CDC said, you know, just it's most 99% of the products are fine. Just until the study's finished, please refrain so I'm I'm trying to refrain, but I've never had any problems in the past six years. I've been doing this with anything I've ever used. So I'm pretty sure I'm safe. So I'm back to on the vape and doing my best not to smoke. But now everyone's knee-jerk reaction is to ban vaping. Why not ban cigarettes? Why not ban alcohol? They do more harm than a handful of morons or a company that didn't know how to mix their shit properly with the THC oil. But now, now it's like it's blanket banned at Illinois. This one bitch, she's like, she wants to ban it. And she also wants to ban all things flavored. Me, I personally, I like the fruity stuff. 
doesn't taste like a cigarette, takes me takes my mind off smoking. But no, she wants to ban all that. I'm like, do you people read any of the articles from the actual credible places, the CDC, Lung Association? Or do you just get to that one picture and stop reading because you're a fucking idiot? Because that's what it seems like. No one is doing any or paying attention to any of the hard research. The Brits did their own study. And they're happier people are vaping instead of smoking. Is it is it 100% better for you? No. Is it a hell of a lot better than sucking on a cigarette, which is the equivalent of inhaling your car's in exhaust? And no one is, like I said, no one's reading any of the reports. Everyone is just at this knee-jerk reaction. They don't want to do the flavored vapes because they're afraid that, oh, it's marketing to kids. I'm like, how about this? Kids get caught with it. Let's start penalizing the parents. I'd say start. They still have candy cigarettes at the candy store, is all I'm going to say. Yeah. That bullshit. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, this whole thing is a lot of bullshit. Not that, I, I'm, against, not that I'm against candy cigarettes. I had fun with those when I was a kid, too. It's just... We all did. Yeah. But, like I said, no one is actually paying attention to any of the reports. Like I said, the Brits, they did their own report, and once again, much better than smoking. But... No one cares. Blanket ban just because they they can. And now it's like everyone has this little soapbox to jump on instead of, you know, the people who are actually trying not to smoke. So at this point, I'm like, fine. You, it seems like you all want me to just start smoking again. And that is my bitch of the week. The dumbasses who are making knee-jerk reactions on limited or wrong sources. You're still sort of smoking clove cigarettes, okay? And I know those douchebags. Those those uh, are worse. Those are worse than vapors. And huh? I thought those were completely banned. I don't. know. I remember those kids who smoked the, the clove cigarettes. I was like, yeah, that's those, oh, guys, those guys are weird. <laughs> oh, those are terrible. My friend never smoked, but occasionally she would go buy a pack of those, and they are just nasty and not. They are. This smell is just vile. No, the, the reason the reason why they're all up in arms about the vaping is, and I, I've said this when the vaping became a thing, is that they can't tax like they can tax, they can tax cigarettes, or you know, as weed becomes legal in more states, that too, they can't tax those things. They can't tax the vaping stuff like, like they can cigarettes. So they're they're not getting the, the 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 piece of the pie they're looking for. So of course they're going to do anything to attack it and say, you know what, this is taking money away from big tobacco. Now, I don't want to get in a giant political discussion about big tobacco, but you know what the fuck those fuckers are up to, you know. Yeah, I, I fully believe they put out those stupid anti-smoking commercials of with, with the guy's teeth falling out, just to make me want to smoke more. You know, just to say, hey, this is stupid. You know, I, I I've, I've always thought this. You know. Yeah, I'm just every day. You know, I read I read everything that I can find on it. Because I was, I have to admit, when this started happening, I was, I was scared. Like, oh, hell. And I talked to a few of my friends who actually vaped steadily longer than me, and they've never had a problem. But once again, reputable, you know, buying reputable juices from reputable places, and I'm not mixing it up in my freaking kitchen. These people will smoke formaldehyde if it'll get them high. This is all, you know... It's, it's. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's making me angry because I'm like, what is? Am, am I gonna have to like make a bootleg trip once a month across a border 
to go pick up some fucking juice but that like I'm going to have you, you, in you, my closet to vape so I don't, but I can smoke in public. Yeah, whatever. You'd be like Anne Frank with the vaping, you know, just hanging out in the <laughs> attic, you know? You know. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like I said, I give you excuse to come visit me, Suzanne. Come, come out to, to Hoosier Land and uh, have, have a good time. Uh, sounds like a plan, Pat. I'm going to have to do that. We'll, we'll go to Florida's and drown our sorrows, okay? You know? Okay. <laughs> Twist my arm? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't have one, really, a, a beef, um, except for, oh, man. This, you think that I work overnight so that I'd be a morning person, but I'm not. I, I just can't stand stupid people who do stupid things, and most of them, my coworkers are like, oh, what, what did Jamie call him in a text? Call her her coworkers in a text. Say, I have to find this now because it made me laugh out loud in a grocery store. And uh, by the way, I'm trying to get her back on for 150 because she she's sick right now. So I guess uh, thoughts and prayers for Jamie. You know, <laughs> if you want to. She called them. Um, oh, ass dragon hose. Okay, that's what she called her employer, <laughs> her, her coworkers. And uh, that's what I think it, that most of the. the the knuckle dragon troglodytes that I work with are too, and it's just annoying. <laughs> oh, I, I, God. Both great terms. Oh, you yeah. know, ass dragon hose and knuckle dragon troglodytes. Y'all, y'all can use them, by the way. It's all good. They're not oh, I plan on using that. <laughs> no, but these people that I work with are, they, they, they I work in newspapers, customer calls and complains, you know, you think that as 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 a, a person who could lose money from their check if they do the wrong thing, they would try to fix the problem, but they don't. They just complain about it, and it's, this is a real minor bitch, and and uh, this humidity doesn't help dealing with stupid people. Just stupid people in general, you know. They're they're gonna get you. I'm gonna leave that alone though, you know. Um, yeah, them hoes, man. Them ass dragon hoes. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate that. Your, your contribution to the show. But tonight we we're gonna talk about two fun films, um, two two giant winged creature films. There's eggs involved. There's New York's involved in both of these. One being the giant claw from 1957, and then we go in the way, way forward machine 1982 with Larry Cohen's joint uh, Q or Q the winged serpent. Whoever whoever we want to talk, it's usually it's just, it's just Q is the, the the title. But both fun films. I can't wait to get into them. We're going to the giant claw first. We're going to do that right after this. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top-notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy The Projection Boot. Every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience. A wonderful companion to the films they cover. The Projection Booth is awesome. A wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary. Thoroughly researched, very entertaining, and always informative. The amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold. Interviews, critiques, music, 
and trailers. These are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. But the projection booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Coming after me. galaxy millions and millions of light years from the earth atomic hydrogen weapons capable of wiping cities countries off the face of the earth are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies Giant Claw from 1957 doesn't have a rating, but I kick it into plot synopsis. Global panic ensues when it is revealed that a mysterious UFO is actually a giant bird that flies at supersonic speed and has no regard for life or or architecture. I love that description so much. (laughs) (laughs) Or architecture. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know a lot of the actors in this film, but, uh... Um... One plot synopsis, uh, one review, and I love this review, makes Mothra look like Gone with the Wind. Okay? (laughs) So I'm going to kick it to Iris first. Iris, what's your take on the giant claw? Dude, this is is a movie made for me. These are the, the, the movies that I just love to sit and watch because they are so outrageous. I mean, the acting if you want to call it that. Uh, And just, you know, I know a lot of people would go, oh my God, the way they treat the women. But, you know, you have to also think about the time um, when, you know, if the guy wasn't as assertive as, you know, she's asleep and he goes in and kiss her, you know, (laughs) 
she has, um, a, pretty, she has a pretty important role in the, in the, the, the pseudoscience of this film, though. So she does. A, I was delighted to know that she was the mathematician, not you know the nurse or the, or the secretary or the research analyst or whatever. She was actually the mathematician that still got the guy's sandwiches and coffee. Um, <laughs> well, she, uh, she was calculating the antimatter numbers, man. You know? yes, yes, she was. She was. Or, you know, acted like, well, I calculated those numbers for you. It's like, dude, grab a machine. You know how to do it yourself. But anyway, um, no, it holds up for me because, you know, if you understand the, the, the time that this was filmed in, uh, this is how it was. You know, they, they expected somewhat liberated woman, but, you know, you were still a woman. You you were still there to, I don't want to say serve, but you were you were there to take care of the men, which is, is exactly what she does. Um, there's that aspect. And then, of course, there's the aspect of the monster, which is just amazing. You can see the strings at points, and I don't care because I am enjoying the beast so much with those googly ping pong eyes and I you know it's like it, it's like you know a vulture that had a really bad day <laughs> if a vulture could have a bad hair day that would be it you know, because it's just like the vulture did the walk of shame I mean I don't know <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like, but it is, it's fun. And then the science behind this is kind of somewhat correct, but not so correct. Because again, back in the fifties, if you wanted to get rid of something, you nuked it, you know, and apparently, you know, we have somebody in, in office that believes the same way. Cause you want to get rid of something, you nuke it. But it, it was kind of fun because most of the time, these movies kind of teach you the perils of um, radiation. You know, don't, don't, you know, we need to stop throwing these bombs. Not this one. This one's like, let's go go after the motherfucker with the bomb. Um, and then, of course, we're talking about antimatter and all that. It, I don't know, for me, these movies is what I grew up on. And these are the movies that um, if I have to fall back to something I completely and totally love, it would be something like this because this is just the perfect I'm going to sit down with uh, some popcorn and I'm going to watch some stupid shit and this was it cool Suzanne this was so much fun and I'm really surprised I hadn't seen this my mother was loved the monster movies from the 50s and 60s and the marionette monster was just great. Oh, my God. I absolutely loved it when it would grab a plane and start shaking it like a dog. <laughs> and I guess she was I, I was I was another thing I was thinking and Iris pretty much covered it. It's like she wasn't a secretary. She wasn't a nurse. She wasn't a wife. She was an actual part of the crew. At being their mathematician and yeah you know i i think when he kissed her on the plane that they may have had something going on because that was a that was a real bold move totally <laughs> yeah. 
But it's just movies like this are just fun. And like I said, there's a few things I saw that I'll get into when we go into the next movie. But yeah, why do you guys always go after the egg? Poor little baby monster. Come on. <laughs> Can't and do more. Damn. But I swear, if I if I find anything of that beast, I'm buying it. I mean, I want a one of those. I want a Christmas ornament with that beast on it. But yeah, there was a lot of times you could see the strings. It was funny when he was like catching the guys in the parachutes in his mouth. I mean, that's my, my the only thing is just they had issues with scale. Yes. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it was times it was dwarfing the plane. It dwarfed the uh, the train, but when they got up close to it, it wasn't all that big. So yeah, that was my. I, I actually snickered at that. It was they they had some issues with the scale. There were parts but, of the film where they actually just blew up the picture to make him look bigger. You know. And oh, my favorite part is when he's gnawing on the uh, UN building, or I should say, she <laughs> is gnawing on the. <laughs> the UN building like it's a candy bar. Love it. Love it so much. Oh, God. I was in tears. I was laughing so hard at that. And they just kept showing that scene over and over. And of course, they had to have, yeah, it was. Then they had to have the scene with the meddling kids. What are you dumbass kids doing? You turned your lights off. Uh, whatever, Daddy. And of course, there's the beast. Yeah, well, you know, you have to have a little bit of moral in that story. Yes, because that was pretty much it. They, they did have an open container. And, they're uh, probably going to go gangbang that one girl but when they, before they parked the car, so... They, they were carrying a salt shaker. These were some, some rough and tumble kids. With a salt shaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, hey, it's it's a great movie. It's fun. I'm surprised I haven't seen it before. Now, when I call my mom tomorrow, I'm going to have to yell at her for never showing that movie to me. Well, you could send it to her now for sure. Um, yeah, my, my love for this film is uh, is pretty great. First of all, it gets you in and out in about an hour and 15 minutes, so it doesn't take up a whole lot of your day. And uh, s- second thing is, you, you had me at Marionette Monster. I tell you, I knew it was going to look stupid and shaky. And, you know, it wasn't going to look the best at every scene, and I, lo- I love that you can see the strings. It gives us such personality in a movie like this, when you can see the strings. It, 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 it almost like you could take your your grandson Victor. You could show him, you know, this is this is how you know they 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 made monsters work back in these days. You could show him the strings on screen, just to say that's how they made him move, because the model work in this movie is phenomenal. Oh yeah, one of his favorites is uh, twenty one million years from Earth. Oh yeah, or, you know, because uh, he loves the uh, he loves the Ray Harryhausen stuff, so I'm slowly introducing him to that. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't have Harryhausen money for this movie, and I'm not even gonna say unfortunately because I had so much goddamn fun with it. Because every time that that bird would screech down, <laughs> there was there was parts when it would just hover, and you know they show that. But the parts where he was like taking the planes out of the sky, they, they really shot that well, I think, and the the. <laughs> The, the cutaway stuff, like they would like what the part with Suzanne mentioned where he's gnawing on the, the UN building and you can see the debris falling on the people. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think, you know, like, 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 just like, like Jaws or anything else that they would use the creature sparingly, 
But they gave no fucks in this movie. Once they started showing the creature for the first time, you saw a lot of this creature. And I appreciated the cheesiness of it. I appreciated the bad pseudoscience of it because it really worked. Because the reason why you couldn't shoot it down is because of his, his screech would, would, would deflect, would, would, would shoot out antimatter, which deflected all their missiles. I don't, know, I don't know if this science works or not. I don't give a fuck. I just have a lot of fun with it. And you know what? I, I think a lot of folks who listen to the show would have a lot of fun with it, too. Um, they just showed this on Sven as a matter of fact, so maybe some of you folks actually might have caught, caught it. Um, the print we watched was, was pretty gorgeous. I, I think this has to come from like a Blu-ray or some kind of remastered DVD or something, because movies from 57 don't really look like this, and like like I like we said we see that we can see the strings and I love it I love that we can see the strings I'll say that all day long, um, <laughs> the French guy, you just know that French guy is gonna live gonna die or, yeah it's kind of way he's gonna die eventually because I guess we were against the frogs at this point in time in history I I don't know, <laughs> but he was funny doing his 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 broken French voice and I I love that and. The whole idea that it thought this winged creature was a UFO when it's not metallic at all or anything in the traditional sense of a UFO. It's a giant winged beast. And uh, the, the main character was convinced that it was a UFO too. Who was not an Air Force pilot, but he's a real renegade because he's some kind of science person, man. He knows he all about that shit. Electronic engineer. Electronic engineer that they let fly probably multi-million dollar uh, aircrafts and for, for no good reason. But um, I digress. Giant Claw, I don't want to, I don't talk too much about it because they like, give a whole lot of parts away, but I think you guys should check it out. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. If, I, if, if it is, I'll try to remember to include it in the show notes, the link. But um, tons of fun, man. Great creature feature. And uh, the puppets used incredibly well because I've read in the, in the notes that it's, it was incredibly cheap to make. I think it was made by, like, two guys in Mexico or something. <laughs> but it's janky. It's, it's it's you know, stupid looking. It's shaky, and I, I love this creature. And I'm going to kick it to Iris and say, anything else you'd like to say about it? And what do you give it 1 to 10? Oh, I'm going to give this a 10 because I just sat and enjoyed it so much. And I'm going to be sitting down with the dude and watching it with him again. Cool. Uh, Suzanne? Uh, for a 50s monster movie, it is absolutely spectacular. Uh, Pat's a little mad at me because he's like, I wanted to watch that. Well, we'll watch it when you get home. You, it's, like I said, it's one of, the, one of the greatest creature features. I'm glad I finally got a chance to see it. I'm still going to sit at about an eight. I just, I, I love the creature. I do want something that has the creature on it, but a little Ray Harryhausen on it would have gone a long way. This is true. Um, yeah, I'm with that eight. I, 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 lo- I love what I saw. You know, it, it, it's it's tons of fun. And I, I highly recommend it to, to anybody who's listening to the show and to watch it and you'll enjoy it and you can show it to, to, to younger kids. It's, it's, it's all, it's all safe people, but it's, it's, it's tons of fun. Uh, I think we have boobs in the next movie, if I remember correctly. Woohoo! <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, 8 out of 10, Giant Claw, high recommend from all of us. But next up, we uh, talk about some stop-motion animation and some eggs and uh, 
possibly a, a winged creature that shines like the top of the Chrysler building? No, he tore it off. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about Q. We're talking about Q the Winged Serpent right after this. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only a film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break! For ten centuries it has waited to be awakened, to be worshipped again like a god, to fill the skies, to cast its shadow over the earth, to release its fury. Today in New York City, the winged serpent rises. The winged serpent rules. The winged serpent. David Carradine. This thing has been prayed back into existence. Michael Moriarty. It was big and there was something in it that looked like an egg. But it couldn't have been an egg. I mean, there aren't any eggs. <laughs> no egg that big. Richard Roundtree. What I want to know is, how the hell is this tie in with the murders and the mutilations? Candy Clark. What are you going to do if someone dies tomorrow, or the next day, or the next day? Well, I'm not going to think about it, you know? It won't be my fault. It'll be theirs if they don't give me what I want. Money. One million dollars in cash tax free. They are searching. Looking good. Discovering. <laughs> Believing. And preparing for the battle of a thousand years. Load tracer ammunition. Want to see the trajectory? Get those guns out of the basket. Okay, everybody hold their positions. Everybody stay right where you are, all right? Don't move. the fantastic flying forces of a lost age. You like saying a prayer? Man against the winged serpent. Today in New York City, the winged serpent rules. The legend has come alive. Q, uh, a.k.a. Q, the winged serpent. The winged serpent. There we go. Speak, asshole. Uh, directed and written and produced by one Larry, Larry Cohen. Speak of the guy who did a career all over the board. Uh, your cheap of plot synopsises. NYPD detectives Shepard and Powell are working on a bizarre case of a ritualistic Aztec murder 
Meanwhile, something big is attacking the people of New York, and only greedy small-time crook Jimmy Quinn knows where his lair is. This, of course, uh, stars as a great cast. Stars David Carradine, Michael Moriarty, Candy Clark, Richard Roundtree. James Dixon sounds so familiar. I've seen him in stuff. Uh, tons more people. Very, very uh, lovely New York film. I'll kick it to Suzanne first, and this is a dumb question, but how do you feel about Q? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I watched this the first time on HBO when I was way too young. But for some reason, I keep going back to it. When a movie starts off with, you know, uh, someone getting decapitated and then it's raining blood all over the fine citizens of New York City, you know you've got a barn burner. I just, I've always been a huge fan of David Carradine and he was so spot on as the police lieutenant. I also really like the fact that, that he kind of tied two things together because you have your little murder mystery going on with the uh, the flayed people and you have your winged monster. And do the two relate? Is it just kind of a, you know, an anomaly? Is it a cryptozoid? Who knows? But in it does its best to wreak havoc on New York. The, and he's just, he doesn't waste any time getting this one going. There's blood from the beginning. Michael Moriarty is just such a scumbag in this movie, and he plays it so well. I mean, there are times you just want to whap him across the hat for being a dumbass. And it's just, it's, it's everything that I love about Larry Cohen and 80s movies. You have this spectacularly terrible-looking creature once again, could have used a little Harry housing on it, but you know what? I'll I'll take what I can get. I think my favorite part when they would show anything of the creature, I I thought it was a lot better in silhouette form. It looked a lot more imposing, and I noticed there are just a lot of things that I noticed, especially with the egg, like that. I can see a lot of the giant claw in Q. Just certain things. Just made just made me think of it when I was watching it. It's just it's a it's one of the great '80s monster movies with blood and guts. Candy Clark is so good in this. She's like, I think one of those underappreciated actresses. I, I I know I've seen her in tons of things, and I can only think of two off the top of my head. And she plays his poor abused girlfriend. Because apparently when he drinks too much, he knocks her around. You know, he's pursued by gangsters because he bailed on a robbery. So, yeah, he's just pretty much uh, your all-around scumbag. And I just, I, just, I just don't know. I'm blathering on about this movie just because I love it so much. It's a great movie. If you love anything 80s and horror and monster, this is the movie for you. Cool, cool. Iris? Uh, yeah, Q. Got to see this in the movie theater and, um, again, fell in love. Because, uh, th- again, the, the, these are the movies I just love to sit and watch. I mean, they're so much fun. And you have David Allen in here. I mean, you know, he's the guy behind um, some of the stuff like in um, – he did the little flying saucers in um, 
batteries not included. Um, and he also did um, some of the scenes in uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. So, you know, guy, oh, and in the Puppet Master, I think maybe the fourth one, something like that. But, you know, he he did work with Harry Housen and also with uh, Jim Danforth on some of the stuff that he was doing for the stop motion. But anything, of course, stop motion for me, uh, I am going to watch Don't Care What It Is. Uh, I fell in love with stop motion because of Ray Harryhausen movies. Uh, and, of course, here's this one with this giant serpent. Well, it really is not a serpent. It's kind of more like a big old uh, skinny, uh, oh, what do you call them? A skinny dinosaur with wings. Yeah, it looks... Like, like Littlefoot. What is Littlefoot? Littlefoot is a brontosaurus. Yeah. It's like a very skinny brontosaurus with wings, which is kind of fun. Um but uh, and then you have Jim Carrey, you have David Carradine and Mike Moriarty in this playing opposites. And at one point they're on the screen together and they're on screen chemistry. I, I just love this uh, from the very beginning when he's walking out, uh, you know, and Jim Carradine says, you know, you, you ain't that bad. And you know, Mike Moriarty goes, oh, fuck, you know, you know, and, and that's how they leave each other too. Jim Carrey, you know, uh, Michael Moriarty's character goes, well, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna find myself a job as a as a musician, and Jim Carrey goes, what the fuck it, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's great. It's it's lots of fun, and there's so many things. And then again, going back to the egg, which I find extremely interesting because when I saw that, the first thing that came to mind was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie, because that's exactly how it ended. Also. There was another egg that nobody found. So it, it's kind of like a little, uh, I don't know, I guess something that has been copied for a while where, you know, there's that that one egg that's still out there, which is kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, this is another one that it's it's just too much fun. And I do love the, the double plot line, like you were saying, Suzanne, of, well, there's the monster, and then there's the person that's going around laying people and sacrificing them and all that and oh my god can that that dude would just not die and i always it it always surprises me even though i know it's coming when he gets up what like three four times and just then finally uh carrying just empties his freaking gun in the dick. he's like <laughs> stay dead <laughs> he's got the um, power of the aztec warriors in him see yeah, we'll see. And then he, he hangs a sign on the room to please clean up. Yeah. You're a cop! <laughs> right? That's just great. It, it just, it, it's just got all these cute little things. Um, But, I, you know, I've always wondered why they use a Hindi dude for an Aztec, but whatever. Um, But, yeah, this is this is great. Uh, definitely recommend for me. If, if you have not seen Q, you need to just for the fact that you can say I've seen Q. Because this is what the one, two, three, four, five, the sixth monster that destroys the Empire State Building, and I think um, there's maybe three after that destroyed the Empire State Building also. So it's a great movie. Go watch it. Yeah, Q for me. I um, I've only seen it within like the past couple of years, and um, that's not really my fault. It's just one of those. Titles that my videos sort of not have when I when I was renting horror films, and 
I, I find a, a tropes, little tropes in many Larry Cohen films in which there's always that weird guy that, that knows something that nobody else knows and is just holding over people's heads. Uh, Michael Moriarty's great in this. He does, he does the same exact thing in the stuff. Daniel Stern does it in Chud so well. Uh, there's, there's, there's always that guy in the movie that knows something that nobody else knows. Maniac Cop, not directed by him, but written by him. That there's that guy that that knows something, and you know, it, it, it's, it, it works so well. And, and of course, destruction's happening. And Suzanne mentioned the opening scene; it's like it, it drops you in, you know, the movie you're gonna watch, which is, is this pervy window washer who just just watches this woman constantly. He's like, "Yeah, can't get rid of this guy," and all of a sudden, whomp! There goes his head, He's just bleeding all over the glass. And uh, that that's awesome. And there's, there's there's stuff I I love I love the the stop motion stuff like Irishman I I like, like Irish Irish Irishman, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, 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 they filmed it a lot like the Giant Claw though, which you've seen like an image of the beast swooping in, and then you didn't necessarily see the blood, but you saw the aftermath, which they used it sparingly, which I, I which you have to appreciate, you know, because this is a, this is a film. Where the actors shine and then the beast is kind of not not secondary, but if it wasn't for David Carradine and Moriarty playing off each other, I I don't I don't think that it would have worked half as well as it did. Um, this is a Larry Cohen film, so he uses uh, New York City to to his advantage and quite illegally, I might add, because this is this is the, the guerrilla filmmaker people just stealing shots and running constantly, constantly, and you get. You get all of New York City in this movie. So if you like that kind of thing, you want some good old school New York City memories, you, you can watch this movie and you'll have that aplenty. So there's there's that. Right down to the architecture, people. Um, it even features the Chrysler Building, like I mentioned before we are going to do this review, because that's where, that's where Q keeps the, the one egg. You know, there's an egg at the end of the movie, too. But, you know, the, the primary egg that Michael Moriarty knows where it is, that they know where the nest is. It's inside the Chrysler Building, and nobody notices. It's just uh, one of the most famous buildings inside the, the New York City is the Chrysler Building, and Q's just nobody notices. The Q's just flying around it, you know, tending to 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 her egg, and uh, oh, the sunbathing scene was was hilarious because you know the 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 bohunk dude is gonna fucking die, and you're waiting for it to happen, and it just does, and oh. It's just it's just a pure good. Both these films are a pure good, and this one's on Shutter for sure. So you guys can go check it out on Shutter as we're recording this. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about it because a lot of folks uh, <laughs> have seen, have maybe haven't seen it or need to see it. And that Aztec, you know, side plot line is this thing controlling the bird? Is it not controlling the bird? I mean, the the Q. I mean, it's a different film. Uh, we we don't know. It's just kind of a thing. Where he's saying, you know, I forget the lines about, like, D do my bidding or whatnot. Obviously, he's brought this bird about, but it really doesn't go anywhere. Because, yeah, it's just fun, destructive power of Q, and I, I love I love it to death. But I'll, I'll kick it back to Suzanne. Anything else you'd like to say about the film, and what does she give it 1 to 10? I... I grew up watching this, and it was it's one of these movies I just... Every, I just have to keep going back to it. I enjoy it so much. I might have been a little harsh on the monster, and believe me, that is not what I meant at all. 
because who does not want to see a stop motion Richard Roundtree falling to his death? That was spectacular. I I love this movie. This is this is way up there for me. I mean, hell, I want that Q logo tattooed somewhere on me before I die. I love it so much. But yeah, I'm at probably I, I gotta go like at least a high nine. I love this movie. Cool, Iris. Um, I'm gonna go with Suzanne. I'm gonna give this a high nine too. It's way too much fun, and um, you've got stop motion. Like I said, who doesn't love that? And it's a fun little story. Um, to be fair, I did enjoy the giant claw more than Q, so I can't give it the same exact rating. So I give it a seven and a half out of out of, out of ten. So there, there's that. I, I I like it, but I think um. Much like a Godzilla film or like a kaiju film, the 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 humans they don't get no they don't necessarily get in the way of the stuff with the creature, but I think they're they're some of the stuff with the human characters is better than the stuff with the creature, and that's not unfortunate. It it it, it works really well in the film, but since I like Giant Claw better than this movie, I give it a seven and a half out of eight. I mean out of ten. So there there's that, and uh, that's not insulting. Uh, it's it's very very serviceable film. Um. Right after this, uh, Court and I will take you back to Tromaville High once again. Redo Class of Dukem High 3 and uh, for the Sloppy Seconds segment. And we'll, you'll hear that right after break. Romaville is threatened for the third time by three times the evil. I can rule everything! Let's do it! I killed the girl! Three times the mutated monsters. Ah, somebody get me a Kleenex. And three times the nuclear meltdowns. Only one man can stand up to this triple threat. A man with three times the guts. Three times the strength. Boo, me. <sighs> and three times the acting roles. This is Mayor Smith speaking. Excellent, Dick. Adley, I love you. Wrestling star turned action hero, Brick Bronski, is the good. Because I'll never use my power to cause harm to anyone. The bad. I'll keep my mind on maiming and killing, sir. And the subhumanoid class of Nukem High, part three. Three times the nuclear powered action. Three times the nuclear powered passion. Three times the nuclear powered nuclear power. In the good. Looks like you underestimated the good people of Tromaville. The bad. I thought the idea was to terrorize this town and not let anyone know who it is. And the subhumanoid class of Nukem High, part three, starring Brick Bronski no! as Adelaide the Good. You'll never get me to do it. Ooh, except that way. Co-starring Brick Bronski as Dick the Bad. I never felt this way before. Featuring Brick. Bronski as the subhumanoid 
with special guest appearance by Brick Bronski as the mayor of Tromaville. This is a trauma movie. So dry those eyes and rejoice. This is the good, the bad, and the subhumanoid class of Newcomb High, part three. From Troma. I live, I die, I live again. Oh my God, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Yo, Freddy, put your hand at you bright face, pussy. I'm running this monkey for no Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time. Let's give it a go. With Hollywood stars. And low and line a cameo. We're doing a sequel. I don't mean to be a stickler, but this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture. Hello, guys. It's time to get sloppy once again. I'm here with Court Sibes again. How you doing, sir? I am even sloppier than the last time, and I'm feeling third best currently. Oh, filthy. Filthy time, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm in sloppy thirds. Yes. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing you said that, because th- this time around, we're going to discuss... Class of Nuke of High, Part 3, The Good, The Bad, and The Subhumanoid. From 1994, a trauma film, of course. Uh, your plot synopsis is this. Taking place after the events of Part 2, where Roger Smith's sons, uh, Ad, 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 like, uh, I guess Adelaide is his name? Like Adelaide yeah. Stevenson? Yeah. And Dick are born. One of them suddenly kidnapped is taught to be evil, while Adelaide is determined to foil the fiendish plot and save Tromaville. There's a whole power loss thing in here and glowing hands and shit, but <laughs> man. It's yeah. like Fist of the North Star on a budget and no plot. Man, oh man, there's there's, <laughs> like, there's very little plot in this movie except... Uh, oh, and it's all fucking voiceover plot, too. It's really over. bad in this Oh, painful. <laughs> but uh, Brick Bronski plays three roles in this movie. Uh, that of his, his current son, his lost son, and of himself, who is now mayor of Tromaville. And uh, this is, uh, I think this one, much like the last one, had six writers. And that's, that's the, you know, when you know you have a problem, is you know, it has six writers. <laughs> what did they each write? Like one word at a time? I, I don't know. Like, I have an idea, put it on paper, let's just throw it all together. And, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. This is part of the trivia. Like, Dum Dums wrote, this is the only piece of trivia that is Roger Smith and his grown up sons, because the same fucking age. Adelaide and Dicker played all by Brick Bronski. No shit, IMDb. Who, who, who wrote that shit, man? That's that's awful. But uh, I did like the credit for Brick Bronski uh, as mayor, where he did a special guest appearance. As the I love. Mayor. That's one thing that these things are great at. If if you you have to stay for the closing credits because they dump a whole lot of shit in there that has nothing to do with it. Like I think there's a, a gag to where they say uh, something about something captain or something underwater expert long john silver or some shit's in there for no reason like there's there's so much little shit in the credits but i'm gonna kick at the court again and say court how about this uh this this sequel to the last one the continuation of part two uh of this movie go for it man 
the thing that I always talk about when it comes to franchises or any of these types of things where you go through sequels and all of that, you get a point of diminishing returns where it's not quite as satisfying as it is to just go back and watch the first film or the second one or what have you. Uh, you tend to get in a series where it just continues to just diminish over time and it gets worse and worse. This is really bizarre because this is clearly shot back to back with part two. I mean, it's it's obviously shot back to back with part two, even though it contains elements with part two, but it wasn't released until many years later. Well, that's that's, and, the, that's the trauma way, because if, if you talk to guys who work for for trauma, it, there, there's so much that goes into basically them running out of money and, and starting again. So this film probably did take two years to make because they ran out of money. I could see that where they had just enough, but they shot all this extra shit. They blew all the money on shooting it. Then they got more funding to make a third one so they could finish the second one. And then they had to make two movies out of it because that's a trick that Lloyd does use and cops do. And we talked about it before. They did it with Toxie 2 and 3 for sure. This is why we don't have a release for, and I'm not looking, well, with the ending of the the, 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 the Return of Nukem High Volume 1, this is why we don't have a release of Return of Nukem High Volume 2 yet because it it takes, I think he's filming his last film now. I think it's, I think it's wrapped because Lloyd is, he's an older gentleman. This is going to be his last film. It's, it's a, it's a take on the Tempest, I think. And this this is a uh, Shakespeare shitstorm, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, Shakespeare shitstorm. He's a big Shakespeare fanatic. I mean, Tromeo and Juliet is probably a return to form. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a brief. It's a. I would always talk about how it's like a decline of Troma after ninety, but there are a few movies that briefly give you some hope again, and Tromeo and Juliet is one of them yep. because it's it's literally Romeo and Juliet done Troma style, yep. and it's actually pretty inspired the way that they do it, but. We're not talking about that fun to talk about film. We're talking about this mess of voiceover. Yeah, there is. I had explained what by, by the release though, so it's all in context with the, with the review. Good man. <laughs> right, right. Now the oh Jesus man, the voiceovers in this are terrible, and it's my big pet peeve. I'm not gonna lie, man. I fell asleep during this. Um, I woke up and then realized that I fell asleep, and I begrudgingly rewound it and swore at my TV. Because I had to go back and finish it and make sure that I got back to where I was. Now, I was super tired because I had to go pick my or take my wife to the airport super early in the morning. So it's not 100% this movie's fault, but it really, I had a hard time paying attention to it. Um, the parts that I did enjoy and the things that I did like, and I will try to focus more on the positive than just complaining about it. Um, I did like Brick Bronsky's performances in this. He does an excellent job. I think he probably would have been a natural heel because his evil character of Dick in this is awesome. He's great. actually he's pretty creepy, right? Like they he's, do a really good job of making him like an evil type Superman. He's got a great wardrobe too. that jacket he wears with the skull in the back and the bones on the shoulders and stuff. I, yeah, he's, I he's really like an evil version of the outfit that his dad was wearing in the second movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it looked great. I loved it. They imply a really weird sexual thing going on with the wet nurse becoming. <laughs> what was the guy's name again? Al- Al- uh, Adelaide, like Adelaide, Adelaide Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Adelaide's wet nurse became his girlfriend and he's two years old, but he matures super fast and grew up and has been going to school all within 19 months. <laughs> That's still a little creepy. She was his wet nurse and now she is like making sexual overtures at him and is his girlfriend. 
Um, well, he, he, I, he matured faster than your average two-year-old, I guess. So it's not as creepy, but it is pretty creepy, dude. I gotta say, well, you know. Lloyd, Lloyd did that on purpose. You know, Lloyd. Lloyd did that if, shit if, on if purpose. If he wanted to make, to make it extra creepy, he would still be breastfeeding in this movie. You know. <laughs> well, they kind of imply that he does, though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just to kind of bring it back, though, the lady who plays the wet nurse slash girlfriend in this reminds me so much of the girlfriend of Toxie in part two and three. But it's not her. So Lloyd definitely has a type when he likes to cast those types of characters, like the, skinny, the girlfriend. Skinny, wayfish, big-titted blonde woman. Yeah, he has a type, yes. Yeah. For for these types of characters, though, and he mm-hmm. does kind of go away from that eventually, but uh, the thing that I really liked about her in this role was the gags that they do with her um, that don't really involve, like, the fart gags that they always do where every time they show her ass, she farts. Oh, I love that, it. That, that, I mean, that made me laugh, but the thing that I love the most was she's always wearing that spiky, like, a bustier thing. Yes. And she always goes to hug Adelaide. <laughs> when she does, she spikes him and he goes, ow! And she goes, oh, sorry. And then she gives him, like, a little kiss. They do that joke, like, four times every fucking time I bust up. It works so Every well. fucking time, yeah. The, the little gags work, like, you know, I, I've always been a gag for, like, when things make sound effects that are supposed to make sound effects, like in this movie, they do it with a boob shake. You hear a squishy noise, and I, I laugh, you know? I'm only a man. Come on now. <laughs> well, Lloyd is a big fan of doing that where boobs make squishy noises or you hear water-filled noises when their boobs are shaking. Um, butts always fart no matter what. If there's a butt on screen, it farts. You need that, man. There's a scene in this where they actually call Lloyd out for the exploitation that he has been famous for, where the characters are filming Adelaide's girl going after Dick thinking that it's Adelaide and the main um, Dr. Holder, whatever her name is, the beehive hair lady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's with the mutants who are like these uh, clones of Dick or whatever. I think. I don't know what it is, but I I liked them. I liked the the freaking mutants in this movie. I would have liked to see more of those guys because they spent the money on the costumes. They should have used them more. That's a big problem. They do with a lot of characters when they make these kind of costumes with trauma but so they're all filming her and they're trying to make adelaide jealous by showing her coming on to dick thinking that it's adelaide and there's a sequence where the camera is on her ass again they make the fart noise they're right up in on that on her ass with the fucking thong going up her butt and like they're doing the thing where she's shaking her butt back and forth so you can kind of see between her legs and the film's trying to like make you think you're seeing more than what you are with that and they cut away from that and then her character says Yes, hold in tight on the ass with that shot. The director in the, of this film loves that. <laughs> and right after she said that, Gary, I lost my shit, and this movie went up a full point for me from that joke alone. The fourth wall <laughs> stuff works so well in, bo- in both these films, and this one especially. Yeah, I think the fourth wall jokes in this one save it, because there's not much else to hold on to with it. I've, I've always liked, and Lloyd's had an obsession with twins for a while now. You had... Well, this is probably like the, the start of it, but in Citizen Toxie, you have Toxie, you have Noxie for the alternate Tromaville or, or Mortville, as as they call it, because it's like the <laughs> mirror image of it. And uh, I, I like the, the, the brother versus brother that, that he doesn't know quite who, who he is. And like, hey, we have this connection. Hey, you got a glowing hand. Hey, I got a glowing hand and just stuff like that. And I, I like... That was total Fist of the North Star, the glowing totally hands. And the people. It's total Fist of the North Star. <laughs> but the, 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 this part of this film where it's like wasted because, you know, their the nuclear reactor is broken. But they found out that, that, our, that our hero, a- Adelaide, who, who, who has this, this glowing hand, can power the reactor just by holding it in there. So he's like bored the whole time while 
his brother Dick is having all the fun by being like this badass, with like I guess Asian Trump in this movie with the eye patch. <laughs> I don't want to bring up his name, but that's the first thing I thought of when I seen this guy is Asian Trump. <laughs> yeah, the doctor, all the stuff that he was trying to do and the evil that he was trying to perpetuate and how everybody had to use his full title. And if you question him or if you corrected him or anything like that, he did these horrible tortures. Like, didn't he say he was going to put a soldering iron through the nipples of Dr. Holt? Yes. And then she said, you already did that. And he goes, oh, we'll I have to think of something better then. Uh, so good. I was like, Jesus Christ, that drove an image into my brain that I did not need, Gary. In a movie, in a movie like this, I can accept, accept it, though. Now, if it was like, in like a serious like drama or something or in like a rape revenge movie or something, I, I wouldn't be able to accept that. But this this is a, a movie that relies on its gag. And you got this crazy. Oh, uh, what, what does he call himself? Um, uh, I can't. It's like Dr. Something or other uh, venerable and official. And then yes. yeah, you had to say the whole they thing. They go through all yeah. these different titles. And it keeps getting longer every time somebody says it. That's the gag for his name. And I, I love, I, <laughs> he wears an eye patch in the movie. And there's a scene where he gets shot in the other eye. <laughs> I love he, that. He has the altered eye patch for that eye, so now he has two eye patches. I, I would love if, if he if, if he switched it. One gag in this film that I would love that did, did, did exist if he switched the eye patch for different eyes and somebody noticed it. I always love that gag in a movie. And Oh, that's a, that's a Mel Brooks special where it's always switching sides and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you get great, you know, the mutants are fun. The one that breathes fire, setting people on fire. That's fun. I think that when people start melting down again, especially there, there's a scene where a couple are making out and they're just getting more and more gross as they're melting down, but they won't stop making out. This, this is an effect I can get down on because I, I really love the, 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 the you put a, <laughs> Jack Carl Buechler, a one-on-one, you put enough slime on something, it's going to gross you out. And you know, they, they, they didn't uh, skip on the Caro syrup in that scene. It was it was gross. And uh, I wonder if Troma actually owns stock in Ultra Slime because they use it so much. They should. Oh yeah. Oh man. It's 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 not great, but I, I love the aspect of the twin brother that you didn't know about, so that they're at odds, but not really at odds. Of course, he's committing crimes, and Adelaide's getting uh, accused of them because he looks like him. Only he has dark hair and he dresses like the Kurgan and uh <laughs> totally it was like Fist of the North Star and the Kerrigan mixed together. Yes. <laughs> so so that's fun, of course he's gonna try to bang his girl and you know, there, there's all the elements of a movie that you would expect in this and I think this is better this works better as two movies than uh Toxie two and three does. We haven't done them yet, but if you watch them, there's a lot of filler in that Toxie that those two Toxie sequels and I don't think there's as much here, with, with with the exception of the voiceover that you know you hate so much. But <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it really drugged though. There were parts of this where I was like, "Oh my god, is this over yet? It, why is this an hour and forty minutes? Why is it an hour and forty minutes exactly? They could have did yeah. some, some cutting there, but again, the print on Amazon Prime is pristine and it doesn't deserve to look this nice. But you know, it, it's 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 there, and I, I I had a good time with this movie and. Like I said, it's not the best thing you'll see all week, but as far as if, if you're a if you're a Newcomb High completist, I'd say check <laughs> it out. And I think you'll get as much enjoyment as me and Cork out of this, which is not slim to none. I'd say me, mediocre to slim if I had to pick one uh, a rating for that. And yeah, um, I w- I would say probably I would we just want to transition into the ratings on this. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. Okay. 
Um, I was really angry when I was watching this and I'm like, this is so terrible. And I'm like bitching in my comments when I had posted on social media I that see, I was yes, watching I it. See. I'm like, this is fucking terrible. That was when I fell asleep and then woke up and had to start over. <laughs> but I mean, this would be a lot more enjoyable if I had a group of people with me and I could kind of talk through it and we could like talk about the things that we're seeing or kind of like interact with each other while we're watching it. This would be a much better group watch. I think if you did this as a group watch, this would be like a like a a low six, high five kind of rating. Mm-hmm. But watching it on your own, this is like a four and a half, like just below okay. Like I didn't quite enjoy it watching it on my own, but if we were hanging out and you wanted to throw it on for a bunch of us just to hang out and just make fun of together or just hang out and watch and like talk over and stuff, I'd have a lot more fun with this. But I will go back and watch the second one way more than I will watch this one. It definitely hits that point in diminishing returns. That's why I kind of saying like you're watching it on your own. You're going to watch it alone. You're going to probably have a 4.5 time. Mm-hmm. You watch it with a group. You're going to have a five to a high, like a high five to like a mid six of enjoyment, depending mm-hmm. upon the group. Got to analyze. Why did that girl fight her? Why did her ass not twitch? Because <laughs> it's a sound effect. And it's, just, it's just poor editing people. That's all it is, you know? It's, uh, it's done for a gag, if you will. No, it's more or less waiting for that one friend that always gets grossed out by the meltdown moments. And then that other friend that always is, like, lusting over every female on screen and waiting for them to get oh, naked and demanding that they do. Like, you got to have that crew. <laughs> much like the last movie, there is plenty, breasts of plenty in this movie. So they're just, uh... They're just uh, silicone bouncing everywhere in this movie. So if you like that sort of thing, you, you'll love this one and the and the second one. And uh, yeah, yeah, for the boobs alone, they get above a dislike rating. <laughs> <laughs> but you you give it a four and a half. I'm I'm gonna kick it to the middle of the road. I'm gonna give it a five. But like you said, much more fun with the group. If I if I put this on with some people, and this goes for like any trauma affair, really. Igor and the Lunatics is a really dumb movie, but it'd be fun to watch with a group. Uh, <laughs> There's so many, so many. I, I think one Valentine's Day we're gonna do stuff Stephanie the Incinerator because I just want to do that movie for a Valentine's Day <laughs> show. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a five. I I I recommend watching it though because it doesn't cost you nothing. Like I said, the last movie. Go yeah. go watch them. Um, go watch it on Prime. It's 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 a it's a nice print too. I gotta say. I've noticed that uh, Troma has a lot of stuff on Prime where it's like a rental. But then they also have them where they're on Prime and they're available for you at no additional charge. So if you find the version where it looks like you're going to get charged for it, search again and double check because almost all of their movies are on there in some way, shape or form in the Prime with that that band that says Prime. And if you do the search, I think you can modify it when you're searching through Prime for Prime only. And that'll help you, too. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're probably not doing um, Return um, to Duke, 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 Duke High Volume 1 next because... Volume 2 is not readily available, like you mentioned earlier. So we'll save that for when Volume 2 is more readily available for everybody to to check out, even, you know, get on VOD, for Christ's sake. It's not even there yet, so... Um, yeah, I don't even think they're finished editing it yet. <laughs> no, they, they've had screenings, and I, I heard uh, a, a Blu-ray is being worked on, but it's been taking a long time, but... um, It's probably hitting the festival circuits and shit. They, mm-hmm. they hit festivals for a while with Troma. But uh, we'll leave this one at that, and we'll see you all again. In part two. Alright folks, this is another one of the books. Uh, the next one you should hear. I'm, I'm hoping we're all here. We'll see what happens. I, I make no guarantees. But 150 is a thing. And uh, 150 episodes. They're not all Legion feed. But I'm working on that. Uh, 
work fix my, my editing problems when I was not a very experienced editor on some of those episodes. So it's taking a little time to get them up there. But they're coming. I, 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 I can guarantee that. Um, maybe like mixed. I'm, I'm thinking of putting them up there mixed. Like, you know, could have, well, I'll, I'll put episode one up there first just to hear how inexperienced of a podcaster I was because we rambled a lot of that episode, I believe. Um, but uh, the next 150 uh, milestone for me, especially since we've been releasing shows week after week, and that's that's never been a thing for me, is going to be Free Jack. Yeah, that Free Jack. <laughs> with, with, with the movie Get Out. Yeah, that movie Get Out. And why do they go together? Because of the whole mind-switching thing, and I think it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation about how devastating the year 1997 was in Free Jack, and I I don't know, uh, Jordan Peele not taking himself too seriously in that other movie. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, um, spoilers, I prefer Us over Get Out any day of the week, but that's I, I digress. Um, and after that, um, the October shows, which I'll discuss with, with Iris, I've already discussed with uh, Suzanne, I'll discuss with Iris off air, where we're doing all horror stuff in October, because we are on a horror podcasting network, so I'm really we're really making the effort to push the horror stuff in October for you know to I guess pump those numbers for Legion I guess you know and and to have a good time with it. But um, Iris, tell the folks what you got coming, girl. Uh, well, so uh, we just put out Tormented, and then Teenage Strangler should be coming out here in a few days for uh exploitation film casts and uh we do have a new url and i believe it is exploitationfilmcasts.com let me look real quick yes it's actually yeah old man murphy all right it's exploitationfilm.com so that is where you will find um uh, our first season and the beginning of our second season uh, and let's see, with uh, Theme Warriors, we still need to get together and figure out what we're going to be doing. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much with me. Cool. Susan? Uh, we're finishing up Sea Monsters and River Monsters and look for our Friday the 13th special coming up on, that's right, Friday the 13th. We cover a few of the classic Friday the 13th series. And after that, we sh- probably should be diving into some Halloween movies. So look for that on the NFW podcast. You can find that on Orphelia. Yes, you can. Uh, this show and the two drink minimum commentaries uh, can be found on legionpodcast.com, on the Legion feed and on our regular feeds, respectively, uh, as well as Burning for Springwood, the Freddy's Nightmares retrospective, which you can find on the Cinema B feed and Legion feed, respectively. And, uh... Please click charity auction. Uh, come check it out. Facebook uh, event page is live. I'll be going after some more stuff to, to put on there, and uh, hopefully you guys are into what we're putting down, and you guys could lay down some recordage and give it to the Salsa Ruby Humane Society. Um, yeah, I, I always have fun, you know, talking about this to, to, to the celebrity people and see what they're willing to give me for free. That that's always uh, an awesome thing, um, yeah. That's happening for um, second weekend of December. I, should, I keep saying the first, but it's the second weekend, just for the fact that I think the first weekend starts, you know, way too early in the month, and I want to give it a little 
little extra push there. And, um, tedious, I know. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it for this one. I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the show. And, uh, remember the Sydney Beef Podcast. If you got beef, we've got the grinder. We'll see y'all next time.
you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.